Hey there, this is Matt Aaron. I ran the podcast network on Bitcoin.com and left to focus on my CBD coffee company. But I guess I have the podcasting desire still in me. And more importantly, someone that I always tried to get on the show, Jason Smith, reached out to me last month and he said, hey, Matt, I'm ready to do a show. And I was like, Jason, listen, I'm no longer with Bitcoin.com but I'd still love to have a conversation with you. Maybe we should record it. So that's where we are. This podcast, at least today's episode, and hopefully the show will have the theme of entrepreneurs that use Bitcoin and crypto. What do I mean by that? I don't mean Bitcoin entrepreneurs, although they are great. You know, the Coinbase's, Bitcoin.com, Shapeshift, anyone that's working in the Bitcoin industry. I'm just talking about businesses that want to use cryptocurrency as a payment solution. And maybe the strangest thing about crypto culture in, in 2020, spending crypto, using it as a day-to-day currency, it's not very popular to talk about. It's even seen by many camps as old tech. The people are more interested in complex dApps, hodling, investing, how amazing Bitcoin is. And so where did that narrative come from? We'll talk about that today. And that's what I want to do with this show. I'd like to bring back the conversation about entrepreneurs using cryptocurrency, their honest take, the pros, the cons, what they're excited about, what concerns them, and where to go with that, because that's an important message that needs to be spread, in my opinion. So who is Jason Smith? Jason is primarily a publisher with Everything Geraldton being his main news site. Geraldton is a city north of Perth in Australia, and it's an everything guide to Geraldton, hence the name News things to do, businesses, updates, etc. And he got some fame, also infamy in the space when he tried to use the Lightning Network to pay his employees in the Philippines, and it was a disaster, and he made genuine comments on it. He was very ingrained with the BTC maxis at the time, but upon expressing his honest critique, he was rejected by the likes of Elizabeth Stark, Adam Back, and even Nick Zabo, who we genuinely believe to be Satoshi. Quite the turn there. Jason has a unique take on cryptocurrency. I can speak with some authority there. I've done over 100 interviews in the space. So again, we'll touch on how this disconnect developed in the BTC community, Bitcoin and the entrepreneurial dream. He'll talk about BCH, BSV, paying his employees with Bitcoin Cash, how that worked out, and the importance of skin in the game and wealth creation by entrepreneurs. A really fun episode. This can only be found on read.cash. I won't use any other publishing platform to get the message out. R-E-A-D.cash. And follow me on Twitter at Matt Aaron, M-A-T-T-A-A-R-O-N. And of course, if you'd like to support the show, upvote on read.cash. Or if you're in the U.S., maybe you can buy some of our coffee at crazycalm.co, C-R-A-Z-Y-C-A-L-M dot C-O. And you get 10% off with Bitcoin Cash and other cryptocurrencies automatically applied at checkout. CBD coffee for relaxing energy. No caffeine crash. It feels great. Okay, here it is. The pilot episode with the notorious Jason Smith. Jason Smith, thank you so much for coming on to my show. I'm not with Bitcoin.com anymore, but... I was chasing you at Bitcoin.com and it never worked out, but here we are. 
That's right. Yeah, uh, I'm thrilled to finally be chatting with you, Matt. Yeah, and Jason, I want to start. I mean, a lot of people that don't know you, I think it's fair to say you are a very frank person. You bluntly say what's on your mind and you're very smart. So, I mean, I, I think it would bother me if you weren't, but like any type of thing in, in the Bitcoin community, you'll, you'll express your opinion. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think that should be an unusual thing. I don't wear it as a badge of honor. If anything, I sort of, when people point that out, I kind of think, well, isn't that what everyone is meant to do? Like, uh, I think it probably comes from the last seven years or so of uh, working in uh, news media in a city and dealing with uh, so many stakeholders and people who have vested interests. I learned after a short time that um, no matter what you say, you're going to get hated by someone. And so I just had to develop the skills of just not caring what the comments were or what, what other people's opinions were and, um, and just stick with what I thought was the truth. Yeah, and I'm sure this show will generate some of those comments because you are not someone that fully commits to any camp within the BTC, BCH, and BSV community. Is it fair to say you intend to be pragmatic, not what we want to happen, but what is going to happen? And I would say you've done a pretty good job over the years of avoiding tribalism, even if you stirred up the tribes. Yeah, sure. I don't think I go into any decision trying to not be part of a tribe. Um, I don't want to sort of create a rule for myself where I um, make an effort to not fit in. I think some people enjoy enjoy being an individual and as soon as they find too many people that agree with them, they sort of have to be against it. Honestly, I'm as guilty as, as anyone else, to be honest, of believing what I want to be true for too long, too many times, in all areas of life, not just in cryptocurrency. It is quite difficult to sort of sit down and, and go, what is, what is actually real versus what do I want to be real? Uh, and, and investing, that, that's anyone who's invested in anything would know that's, that's harder than ever. You see, I've got friends that are you know, buried in real estate that they should have just ditched a long time ago or stuck in relationships that they should have ended four years ago. You know, so many things in our life where we don't look at what's really happening in front of our eyes. But we've just, um, we just go with a narrative or a story uh, that we're telling ourselves about what's happening and trying to get rid of that story and just looking at the uh, evidence and, and doing experiments or sticking to the data. Yeah, it's quite, quite challenging for, for everyone in every domain. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, you run a media company in Geraldton and other cities in Australia. So it's, right. it's obviously running the, the media and online newspaper digital community for a city it's very removed from, from Bitcoin, right? So you've been able to see the interactions of being a, a media person there. And so you can probably see the same types of behavior taking place in, in the Bitcoin world. Absolutely. So if I were to draw some analogies, say, for example, Crime Wave a few years back hit, um, hit one of the cities that I was covering. Uh, it was quite bad. Like it was just blatantly obvious to everyone who lived in the city. But a lot of people particularly ones that manage to live in areas that, as affected as others, don't like it when the media uh, report on the crime too much. So with the established media there, they would be careful not to report too much crime because most of their revenue came from local advertisers and local businesses don't want the town painted in negative light because that will affect their business traffic, it'll affect trying to drive more people to come live there, it'll affect tourism, it'll affect 
all sorts of things. It affects their bottom bottom line. And I, I would get attacked by advertisers when when I um, reported it, uh, and also attacked by advertisers when I didn't report it as well. So not 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 everyone wanted me to cover it up, but you know people who own real estate would would abuse me or complain if we reported on crime in a particular area. And if we ever named a street, people that were trying to sell their houses in that street would be up in arms. And you just get it from every angle. Uh, you know, the mayor would ring you and, and have a go at you for um, trying, to, trying to make the city look terrible or, you know, other politicians. Yeah, it, I mean, it just, it just goes on and on. And, and it's the same in, in cryptocurrency. As soon as you point out a flaw, say you try lightning out and you give it your best shot and you're absolutely you know, go into it with, uh, with no prejudice and then you just come to the conclusion that it's utter shit. Everyone who has invested money and time and energy into Lightning will just absolutely turn on you uh, because, you know, describing some inert thing, you're, you're affecting their livelihood and, and it's just this, um, just this human instinct to, um, I guess, to jump in and, and, and defend that. And it becomes incredibly personal and... And emotional and, and tribal. Yeah. And I mean, let's let's start there then in terms of the, the Bitcoin story. Jason, I mean, that's how I found out about you. And it was covered across crypto news, probably not covered intentionally in a lot of crypto news sites that are pro BTC. But you mentioned trying the Lightning Network without prejudice. You have employees overseas and in, in Southeast Asia, you try to use the Lightning Network to, to pay your employees. And, and that's led to what uh, conversations with Nick Zabo, Elizabeth Stark. I mean, you really went deep into the BTC community with this experiment. That's right. I guess I'm a relative latecomer to uh, Bitcoin. And my only credentials, if I had any, wasn't that I um, you know, was an expert or an early adopter. I don't think many people in the space have any credentials. They just got here before other people, really. But my only credentials was I've, I've run some businesses and, and I've had to build products that have to work for the general public, so I know what they will and won't put up with. And uh, I got excited about Bitcoin. I mean, I'd, I'd known about Bitcoin for a long, long time because I'd, I'd stayed up to date with tech, but, but busy with my business. I just never got into it until the, the main year in 2017. Uh, but I finally uh, bit the bullet and I didn't just buy some and hope to get rich. Once I learned, I, I bought some and I learned about it, I was like, oh my God, this thing, this thing's incredible. Uh, and it was when I discovered the problems with the, uh, the high fees, I just was like, you people, are, this is ridiculous. This can never work. But I, um, you know, being trying to be humble and you, uh, you're trying to figure out when you first come to the space, you're trying to figure out, all right, who knows what they're talking about? Who's, who are the intelligent people here? Who's been here a long time? And I found myself uh, agreeing with most of the things the Bitcoin maximalists say or the BTC maximalists, to narrow it down a bit further. And I saw a lot of people... What were those particularly, those things that they were saying? Things about the shelling point, people settling on a particular thing. Things about you know, a fixed supply being a far better um, economic value proposition than something with an infinite supply or, or a supply where a certain party could easily change it. Things like the value of the brand and... You know, over time, technology improves. So the shortcomings in BTC for the interim are just, you know, they'll be solved in time. I was in doubt about the transaction fees, though, but I, I saw a video of a test lightning uh, transaction. It was some sort of virtual coffee purchase 
where um, you know the, the transaction was instant and you know it cost us one satoshi or something and I was like all right well if this if this is legit you know that solves the problem and therefore there's no need for Bitcoin Cash, there's no need for Litecoin, Ethereum, everything else is just a waste of time. So we'll just sit here and, um, you know, gamble on BitMEX until Lightning's ready. And um, that'll be that. And, and I wanted to pay my staff in the Philippines with Bitcoin. I saw it solving a lot of problems other than the wonderful world money that I thought Bitcoin would be. I also had problems with staff who say at times needed me to hold on to their wages because they had issues with their partners and what have you. And I could see things like brain wallets and cryptocurrency being a way for people in places like that and situations like that, even in the West, uh, to be able to secure their own personal wealth. In Australia, here, domestic violence is a big, it's, it's becoming, people are becoming more and more conscious about it. And uh, one of the big issues that people are realising that a lot of partners in violent situations face is being unable to control their own money. They don't have a means to even really put aside any money to get out of a um, bad situation. I mean, other than a million other things, that was, that was one particular thing that I, I thought would be, be wonderful to have a world where Bitcoin was money, was the money. Sorry, can I, I just uh, clarify that for listeners? So you're basically saying, you know, a domestic abuse situation, let's say, I mean, usually it's going to be the wife or the girlfriend, you know, she's dependent on the money and it's in like a joint bank account. You can't just, or, or maybe not, or maybe controlled where they both have to sign off on things and having control of your money in, in a domestic abuse situation, you know, your keys, you can leave whenever you want, as opposed to being kind of tied down Sorry, yeah. So, so when you when you want to get out of that situation, it's really tough. You 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 leave. Uh, you've got nowhere to live, so you need to sort of sock away some money to live. Even if you go to uh, get welfare and support from government agencies, even in countries that have wonderful social security like uh, Australia, you can be waiting for months before the ball gets rolling and they process your application and you're, you're living on charity and welfare or relying on friends and family. And a lot of people that find themselves in those domestic violence situations are there because they don't have the strong support network in the first place that would have given them the, um, the social wherewithal to not have put up with that in the first instance. So having, having a way for people like that to invisibly secure money over a medium period of time so they could walk out the door and not be at the mercy of you know, welfare agencies taking three months to find them a place to live or a little bit of money each week so they can feed their kids... Again, I'm not trying to say Bitcoin solves everything. I, I don't want to overstate the depth of complication that particular social issue has, but I just saw Bitcoin being a, at least a tiny step in the right direction or in you know, making a tiny bit of um, positive difference. Gotcha. So, and to, you know, to keep this story together, you know, you're intrigued by... A lot of people talk about refugees being able to escape hostile countries and dictatorships, and you looked at it on a, on a micro level, just a kind of a hostile uh, relationship, uh, just the freedom of your money there. But so, I mean, you were intrigued by Bitcoin. Yeah. And I think this is maybe the biggest theme of this episode when I was looking at you know, what we're going to talk about is Bitcoin from an entrepreneur's perspective. You, this was what, 2017 or 2018? Yep. 2017, 2018. Yep. And you started to 
pay your employees. You had what, like, you know, a handful of employees in the Philippines and you said, Hey, I'm going to pay you with yep. the lightning network. Yep. Tell us in your own words, what happened? Well, I spoke to them about paying them in Bitcoin, but with the high fees situation, I didn't put, I didn't actually do it. I didn't put any infrastructure in place to do it because I was like, well, the fees hit $50 a pop. The staff were open to it, but there was, I realized there was no way I could start doing it and then for it to, you know, all the devs were actually happy about the high fees. Everyone was celebrating it. There, was, there wasn't like, oh, gee, guys, this is a real problem. You know, we need to get this Lightning Network working as quick as possible so we can avoid this uh, happening again. It was basically like, Bad luck for you and your business if Bitcoin, if you were relying on Bitcoin. Bitcoin doesn't care about your business. And I'm not being hyperbolic by saying that. Like that is literally the exact words people would say all the time to any business owner that complained about the high fees. And I wanted to uh, also approach uh, local businesses who would advertise with us and get them to pay me in Bitcoin as well. I saw that being a big possibility. But again, I thought, oh, there's just no point doing that now because clearly... The moment this high fee thing happens again, they're all going to drop it. So I just need to wait until lightning is ready and then I'll make it happen. So I sat tight and I waited until lightning network was eventually released and uh, I gave it my best shot. Yeah. And, and I was a Bitcoin maximalist. Like I didn't sit there. I didn't sit there sulking either. Like I was, I, I, I was an advocate for Bitcoin core the whole time. I was um, more or less a maximalist uh, other than, you know, trying out a few coins here or there to see how they worked and looking into the communities a little bit. I just thought altcoins were just stupid. And, you know, I joined in in all the, all the vitriolic rhetoric towards big blockers and what have you. And I had questions though, like I still, like when I did complain about the high fees, I got censored on Reddit, uh, Bitcoin. Uh, but, you know, I, I was more focused on how to use Bitcoin or cryptocurrency in my business so that I could run a profitable business. But I was surrounded by people that wanted to just buy Bitcoin and get rich from it. And so I didn't quite connect with most Bitcoiners on that level because it was clear they were they were more focused on making the price of Bitcoin go up exponentially within a year, you know, like uh, with their crazy price predictions and stuff. And I would be there going, oh, maybe we'll hit 10 grand this year if we're lucky. And they'd be like, you're an idiot, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and these were the people that I was, you know, in bed with, affiliated with, you know. The, yeah, evidently, not many people I came across were trying to use Bitcoin to run a successful business. They were just trying to just work their nine to five job spend some of it on Bitcoin and then hope that next year even more people were doing the same so that their Bitcoin was worth more and then they could dump it on the next people coming along. And yeah, I gradually grew a bit skeptical of that um, strategy to increase the value of BTC. And in your, your tweet storm, I mean, you mentioned that essentially because of the fees with Lightning Network that you couldn't pay your employees, but it seemed to be there, was, there were other difficulties as well, not just the, the fees. I, I downloaded the, the Lightning software a lot of mucking around finally got finally got it working and in the back of my mind i was obviously like well this is way too much work i hope hopefully it gets easier over time i managed to fund channels send some money here or there sent some money to one of these graffiti websites where you, you know you can scribble on the screen for one satoshi or something for a pixel and, and it worked and it was instant and it was tiny fees and i was like this is beautiful this solves everything uh, Bitcoin is the king. Uh, all other coins are redundant uh, because this is so easy and so cheap to use. And uh, I played with it for a good amount of time, 
weeks, months. But at a certain point, I, um, I sent some money to a, uh, a roulette gambling site and I won more money than I'd sent. And then I went to withdraw that money and then uh, I couldn't get the money off the site because uh, the way Lightning works is you have to have enough incoming liquidity if you want someone to be able to send money to you. So just opening a Lightning wallet doesn't do anything. You have to then fund that wallet. So you have to um, open a channel to another Lightning node, which is essentially an on-chain Bitcoin transaction. That then gives you the capacity to send money in one direction, i.e. out, away from you to other people on the Lightning network, providing with whatever hops to get to those people, there is the right amount of liquidity in the right direction to get to them. But you can't receive a single cent. So I had to get someone to send, uh, to essentially open a channel to my node in order to be able to receive any money on the Lightning Network. And after I had that problem on the roulette side, I, I remembered, I was like, oh, of course, I forgot that's how it works. But it was just mind blowing how uh, difficult it was. I had to find a service that I could pay to open a channel to my node so that I could withdraw my funds from this roulette site. And uh, as time went on, I thought about it and I was like, there's no, like if I just want to use this to pay my staff, it makes no sense because I only pay in one direction. They need to be able to just cash out of the network and then use their money with whatever. If I'm saying I'm paying them 400 bucks a month, 500 bucks a month, if the BTC fees go back to, as the BTC devs wanted, back to $50, $100 a pop, I still have to open a channel every, every month when I want to pay my staff and then pay them. And those, those people then have to close the channel, which is another transaction on the BTC network. So as a bridge to a future where everyone is permanently living on Lightning, it's just useless. And also it, it made no sense in a, in a unidirectional payment sense. Like if, I, if they were paying back into the Lightning Network and I had lots of channels open and they were using it all the time, maybe it would work, but uh, they're not. They're just, they just need to be able to get their money and then do whatever they want with it. So it, I just realized like it's just, it's, it's not even going to work. If the fees go back to, like if the, if the mempool fills and the fees go back up, we're right back where we started. It solves nothing. I just realized that the whole thing was a dead end and I couldn't understand the entire point. Like to run a lightning node, all the, all the experts were saying, oh, you need RAID storage. You have to be online all the time. Like you can't, you can't even receive money on the lightning network unless your computer's switched on. It was just absurd how many hurdles you had to jump through. And it made no sense to me because the entire point supposedly of keeping the blocks small at one meg and letting fees go high was so that anyone who wanted to could easily, with a very simple setup without much effort, run the Bitcoin software. But in order to actually use the Bitcoin software, you have to jump through all these ridiculous hurdles and have commercial grade you know, storage and internet connections. It, it made no sense at all. Plus the very people that you're trying to help by giving them the ability to run a node, a Bitcoin node for cheap on a cheap computer, they can't afford the ridiculously high fees to use the coin. So that the whole logic of, well, we need to keep the network unusable so that it remains decentralized and the government can never shut us down so that we can always use it, just doesn't make any sense to me. Like it's just, it's so circular. So I finally had a dark night of the soul. I'd committed so much energy and time to BTC that it wasn't easy just to go, 
you know, screw this, I'm out of here. I, I was genuinely disappointed that I had come to that conclusion, but I couldn't come to any other conclusion. There was no, there was no path I could see to uh, fixing the problem. And the fact that I'd had so many arguments with people like, you know, Adam Back and other Blockstream guys, and, and they were just so dead set on not increasing the block size. And my arguments that they, they needed to consider that as an option were just, just ignored. And anyone else who had that opinion had already left. They, they'd already moved on from BTC and, and gone on to other things. Nice summary there. And, and I know you mentioned previously, that, you know, Adam Back, Elizabeth Stark, Nick Zabo, I mean, especially Nick Zabo, who, when people get into Bitcoin, um, has a, I don't say mythical, but like a, you know, some people think he may have been Satoshi, they revel his, his blog, but he was not uh, accommodating either or to you, which is surprising. That's right. Yeah. He, he had a go at me, said something snarky along the lines of like, you know, oh, maybe he had some valid points, but you know, it's all just lost in a whingy, where's my, he thought I wanted something for nothing kind of thing. And that was the attitude I had. I got from, from so many uh, Bitcoiners that I'd previously been buddies with. Uh, it, was, it was essentially like, Bitcoin doesn't give a F about your business. You know, you're nothing, you're not important. And I was like, mate, this is why Stripe ditched BTC completely. Like, this is why so many merchants have just walked away from it. Because this is, this, you, you don't care about economics, you don't care about businesses, you pretend you're libertarian, you pretend you're capitalist, but it's the most socialist culture I've ever seen. Nick Zabo, I, at that time, I genuinely thought he was Satoshi. Like I, um, uh, I looked up to the guy as much as anyone did. And um, yeah, I, I was quite upset, well not upset, but you know, I was taken back a little bit by his, uh, his comments. His accusation after that was that I was just full of crap and he didn't even believe I had a business that paid stuff. And I was like, what the heck? So I, I'm in DMs and Twitter with him, sending him a copy of an invoice to prove I'm not full of shit, thinking I'll somehow, I don't know, get his respect back or whatever. But as time's gone on, I've, I've read his stuff a bit closer and I've realized he's, he's a glorified blogger. Like he hasn't actually, I don't know what he's actually done other than his blog. I'm sure he's a smart dude, but I don't know what he's built. I, I went back, everyone keeps going about, oh, Bitgold was the precursor of Bitcoin. Mate, I've read the Bitgold thing in detail and it is, it's not impressive to my mind. It's nothing like Bitcoin whatsoever. I think uh, Zabo's implementation could never have worked economically because there would never have been an incentive to adopt it early. But he eventually blocked me anyway because I didn't, I didn't change my tune on Lightning. <laughs> But that's fine. Yeah, and so I'd like to highlight a couple of things here. I've found this weird as well that it's, you know, especially like, you know, I've seen it a lot in the response to Bitcoin Cash, which is kind of a, uh, you know, Bitcoin Cash is seen as, as a, a threat to BTC uh, in a lot of ways. And that's obvious, right? Because, you know, the, the BTC community, they don't really attack Bitcoin gold, right? Even though they have had 51% attacks. And when, when people talk about spending it as cash, I've seen so many examples of this. It's almost looked like you're looked at as, as a relic, like spending it. But this whole idea of entrepreneurs using cryptocurrency, and I don't mean Bitcoin entrepreneurs in the sense that we're going to start a cryptocurrency related business, nothing wrong with that. But what I'm trying to say is that any type of business, whether it's a media company in Australia or a supply chain out of, out of China, whatever you're doing, using cryptocurrency as a tool, entrepreneurs, we don't really have priority in terms of focus, or even and especially not in a share of the, the media spotlight, which, which drives the narrative. There's so many 
practical things where I think Bitcoin makes business easier and smoother and um, especially in, you know, for better or worse, it, it's uh, saying the word globalism isn't great uh, in today's climate, but um, for better or worse, we live in a, in a very connected world. And, you know, I get, I get inquiries from companies and individuals around the world that, you know, want to say advertise or whatever. And a tool like Bitcoin, if it was widely adopted and, and and it will be i believe perhaps not the btc implementation of it it just greases the rail so in so many ways to do business with people that you otherwise wouldn't be able to do business with sure i can already do business if i'm in a if i'm in an economy where i have where i'm fully banked and someone else is then i can i can I can use paypal i can use western union i can use swift um, we can get money to each other in a reasonable amount of time. But to be able to get money to someone instantly on the other side of the world, even if they are completely outside the financial system, I mean, it just allows more people to connect with each other. And I'm a believer that wealth is created when transactions take place. Wealth isn't created from spruiking your coin. The way I see, the way I've, I've thought about it ever since I was a little kid was that if you have a thing that you want to sell, perhaps it's a house, maybe you can build a house and it costs you $80,000 to build a house, but you charge someone $100,000 to build it. And once you've built it for that person, they've got an asset that's worth $150,000. They give you hundred grand, you're now 20 grand richer. You build a house for them, they're 50 grand richer. And it's you two coming together that created real wealth in an economy. Uh, it's the same on a small scale too. Like uh, you, you might be selling some coffee and I have $5, but to me, a coffee would be really, really valuable to me right now worth more than the $5 sitting in my pocket. But to you, you've got a ton of coffee. So you're going to sell a tiny little bit of it and get $5 that you can use for other things. And, and when we transact, both of us get richer. And that, that doesn't make me a Keynesian. I'm not a... Um, oh, we just need to get people to spend money no matter what. I think when, when you have a sound money and when people come to a conclusion that you know, they would rather have that particular service or good than their money, yeah, everyone gets richer. Now, on uh, Persona Crypto, your stealth-ish blog. Persona Cryptona, yep, my top secret blog. Persona yep. Cryptona, uh, top secret blog here. You wrote an essay called Bitcoin and the United States of America in, in December. Yep. If you could just give an overview of, of your thoughts behind that. All right. Well, I don't mean to sound airy-fairy, but when I write on that blog, I literally just sit down at my computer and then something just comes out and then I walk away from it. So I don't really remember what I said. Do you want to refresh my memory? Yeah. Well, you ask questions, you know, like, do people know what democracy is? And, and talking about kind of the old United States, the fresh air of an unspoiled country, opportunities. Yeah. I'll link to this in, in the show notes at, at, on read.cash, but uh, keep going. I think people underestimate the gravitational pull that a culture has in particular domains. And as a, as a non-American, I felt like I could see what America is from an outside point of view, perhaps a little clearer than people that are stuck inside it. And... I've thought about it for the last maybe 10 years or so, why, you know, what it is. And I've done a bit of research on um, immigration and history and whatnot. And also just with my own involvement with, uh, with business and, and watching different cities and communities thrive and grow or fail. 
and it's not politically correct and it's not it's not palatable to think like this in today's age where we want everyone we want to believe that everyone is equal and everyone is the same and whatnot but from my work in media and dealing with a lot of different community groups from different minority groups from all sorts of things I've come down on the side of the culture that your group has is just extraordinarily powerful and it has flow-on effects that will affect the members of that group for many generations or it can do and um, I found in BTC that they drive people away who want to build businesses basically and who want to be entrepreneurial and so there's no entrepreneurs left in that community and those entrepreneurs are all looking for another country and whoever shines the big beacon saying, you know, entrepreneurs are welcome here. Here is where there's opportunity. Here is where you can experiment. Here is where you can have a go and you can, you can, maybe you can also succeed. Then I think that is going to have a, a black hole effect. And, and once it gets a certain size, it's just going to have a, um, a sort of a self-reinforcing effect of those people will keep coming. I think Ethereum had that with, with a lot of devs who wanted to experiment. But I don't think devs experimenting builds an economy or builds wealth. And that's what I see BSV trying to achieve. They keep putting up the flag of come and experiment. And I keep seeing the people in BTC going, oh, that idea will never work or that particular app will never work or that's a stupid idea. Without realize, They don't realize that, that they're probably right. A, they're probably right, like 90% of entrepreneurial ideas are going to fail but the fact that it's not even possible in their chain for someone to experiment and try something doesn't seem to bother them and and it blows my mind because i i think we need to have entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs take on all this risk they they accept full responsibility for their idea failing and instead of a couple of devs at the center of the network decide you know risking everything for over what you know, they think the future will be by having all these little individual entrepreneurs taking on all this risk. Lots of them can fail without the whole network failing. And then when one or two of them succeed, everyone else can prosper, from, prosper and benefit from it. It blows my mind that other, other cryptocurrencies don't seem to even want to attract entrepreneurs to their networks. Jason, so you mentioned BSV. I think you know where I'm going here. Maybe I have a bias because I'm, I'm well ingrained in the Bitcoin Cash community. But I see, I mean, I'm going to publish this podcast exclusively on read.cash, for example. But do you see some of the same types of things going on in, in the Bitcoin Cash community as well? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I'm not, I'm not anti-Bitcoin Cash. So uh, because I wasn't involved in BCH or BSV when the, when the split happened, I have no animosity towards anyone in BCH. I, like I don't have the same, like I watch these BSVers uh, spew their vitriol against BCH and Roger Ver and I, I see others in the BCH camp, you know, ranting and raving about the morons in BSV and I, I, I don't feel connected to it at all because I was late to the party. Well, maybe because I was late to the party. I don't have anything against BCH. I've used BCH to pay my staff, in fact, whereas BSV, because of I put it down to Craig Wright, to be honest, you know, scaring exchanges away or getting exchanges even to delist it. BSV is not useful for paying people in the Philippines. I have used it, but BCH is the one that you can actually use regularly to pay people in the Philippines because the exchanges in the Philippines actually have it listed. You know, people that you, your staff in the Philippines, when you've paid them with BCH, how has their experience been? Uh, their experience has been fairly predictable, to be honest. The fact that they... Like they get confused between the word Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. They're like, what do you mean there's another one? 
they don't care. They just have no, they, they just want their money. However it gets to them, whether it's PayPal or Western Union or whatever, as long as there is the most amount of uh, spending power that they have at the end of the day, they're quite happy. The Filipino exchanges, uh, the one in particular I've used is above average, I think, uh, compared to different exchanges around the world, but has a lot of a lot of KYC restrictions and what have you. But that's just what they need to do. And they would prefer to, if there was something better than Bitcoin, there's a new uh, Filipino stable coin uh, that was created a few months ago, but I haven't found an exchange that's got that listed yet. That they that might even be more practical for them in the short term, to be honest. Yeah, uh, but yeah, th- their experience has been fine. I have some things to say about Bitcoin Cash that make me not have maybe not an avid supporter of it, but I'm certainly not um, not anti it by any means. So I'd just like to add one thing there, and maybe this goes back to the the whole narrative where we started with BTC and just not being built for entrepreneurs. One thing you'll see as someone that works and you know, I've also paid people around the world for just various odd jobs, nothing big or major amounts of money, but the, a lot of remittance payment solutions work okay. You know, I can send money to Colombia for pretty cheap. If I send, you know, if I pay someone 400 bucks, it'll be like a, a $5 fee to my bank account. And then, um, you know, there's a conversion. Obviously, some money is lost on the conversion, but it's not that bad. We're talking a couple percent, right? And so I think that's what a lot of people in the cryptocurrency community don't realize. They'd rather be in the academic, the abstract, which is the consummate BTC mindset you see on Twitter, right? Where like Bitcoin is going to change everything, but you have to evaluate, hey, a lot of these remittance payment solutions that aren't using cryptocurrency are are pretty good. But yeah, I guess I'd like to finish on that. Jason, with uh, BCH, what are some of the things that concern you? Because I, one thing I, I do need to work on is, you know, maybe I'm a bit tribal towards BCH, but it's important to see reality. And yeah, you're right. You're right. As someone who's kind of an outsider in a lot of ways to these coins. And I mean, I guess obviously we have gone or, or just went through the, the whole IFP thing, but but maybe that's the the center of your your concerns. Yeah, I'm not even convinced tribalism is is a net bad negative. I don't know. Maybe maybe the successful move is to become as tribal as possible and just try and steamroll through everything and just you know Donald Trump it. You know, don't take any facts on board and just you know I've got my narrative on my head and you know create a reality distortion field and go for it. I, I don't I don't know, but my concern with BTC isn't necessarily the the specific things that are wrong with it. It's the fact that they have taken direction from people that don't have skin in the game. So I know know we all on Twitter argue with socialists and capitalists and we think those people are capitalists, those people are socialists, but studying law and learning the history of, you know, uh, jurisprudence, it doesn't seem to me that governments and public servants are really that separate from the capitalist system. I think they are a natural extension of humans living in close proximity to each other. I've come to believe that if, if there were no governments tomorrow, you know, within two months, someone will be playing their music too loud down the street and a group of citizens who are annoyed at them would have formed a local militia and they would be having weekly meetings to vote on who should go over to their house, knock on their door with a baseball bat and shut them up. And they would, uh, they would essentially, for all intents and purposes, have formed a little government and they'd be taking votes on who should do what and maybe they'd be pulling some resources to fund the dude to buy a new baseball bat. So I'm not 
like a lot of people in cryptocurrency who are just flat out anarchists and just want all public servants gone. I, I don't think it's, po I think it's as natural as language, as human language. I think our ability to put thoughts in other people's heads through language is the skill that humans have that make us a more superior animal, which leads to us cooperating in ways that other animals can't, which leads to things that we label governments. Anyway, to put all that aside, what, what I'm against though in government is government that doesn't have skin in the game making decisions or people, people on one side of the nation making decisions that will affect some, some group living in the bush on the other side of the country and a negative outcome will not affect the decision maker. And so what I see in BTC is these devs who can walk into any job tomorrow and earn $250,000 a year, basically playing a game with this cryptocurrency. You have no idea how much Bitcoin they've purchased. They have no hash power. They don't, they don't mind. They've, they've, you don't know whether they have or haven't got skin in the game. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. We have no idea. But their skin in the game is not connected to their power to make decisions. And the whole point of Bitcoin was that you have hash power and you follow the hash power and that's it. And, and that, that is what has led to bad decisions being made in BTC. It's not the individual decision, like if they had just made the right decision, it'd be fine. It's the fact that we were just following the wrong people. We were listening to developers and developers are nothing. The only thing that matters is people investing in the network through hash power. And I think BCH works fine today. My concern is they aren't listening to the entrepreneurs. They aren't listening to the people that are investing in the network. They're listening to people that have no skin in the game. Now, I'm sure Omri Sachet is a smart dude, and I'm sure the other devs that work on the chain are smart, but I don't think they should have any say in anything. I think they should essentially just be, if a mining company wants to hire them to improve the code, then the mining company should do it. But it's up to the miners. And I think miners haven't realized that they are the network. They are the be all and end all. And if you want to have more say, get more hash power. Okay, I appreciate you elaborating on that. Jason, to finish up here, we covered a lot of stuff and around the theme of, you know, entrepreneurs using using crypto, which I think I'm going to title uh, maybe this, this show or, or series here. You're using, you're using crypto in your current endeavor? Sure. Well, yeah. So at Crazy Calm, a CBD coffee company, again, a high risk payment industry, although we're just in the United States right now, right. we pay very high transaction fees. So it's close to 5% when someone makes an order. Usually in the US, it's like 2.7 or 2.7 plus 30 cents sometimes. So you offer like a discount if people pay with Bitcoin or something or Bitcoin Cash? Yeah, 10% off if you pay with BCH, ETH, BTC, LTC. And then I spoke to the MakerDAO guys or some people from their team, uh, not Rune or anything. And I'm accepting DAI as well, all through Coinbase Commerce. But yeah. Oh yeah, Coinbase Commerce. That's, that's a pretty good turnkey. Um, it is. Yeah, I played with that, yeah. I would like to be able to enable zero conf so you would understand this, Jason, but if you went to buy my coffee, you know, you have to wait for a block to confirm before you get like the confirmation email. I would love for entrepreneurs to be able to, right. long story short is I think Coinbase Commerce is like in limbo hiring the new product manager because I'm supposed to have a call with them. But I would love for say, hey, myself as an entrepreneur, our coffee is $34.99, 10% off if you pay with crypto to incentivize crypto. So we'll say $31.99. I'm willing to take the risk that someone's going to try to double spend if I see double spend issues, I'll turn it off. But I would love zero comp just to make the, the checkout process as good if you're paying with a, a credit card. 
Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could get away with it on online because you're not you're not having to sit in a shop with just this awkward silence for ten minutes. You know, like or longer, right? Because it, it varies the block time. Oh, yeah, yeah, or longer. It could be an hour. Usually, every time I move some BTC, it decides to take an hour to get to the next block. The the idea of uh, zero comp. I think once you understand RBF, yeah, zero comp sounds. Yeah, more than more than doable, certainly for uh, for BCH. But yeah, unfortunately, Coinbase don't support BSV, so that's a non-starter on that end. Yeah, my experience has been, I'll tell you that one is, you know, it's helped us to to get some orders and and press. I believe it in the long term. Yeah, it's more about a lot of kind of risk protection in that we could lose our payment processor any day. Hopefully, you know, we actually use Square. Is it because you have the the letters CBD there? Yeah, and. Uh, long story short, if we said anything like uh, any medical claims, right. I've seen this happen to CBD companies. They're done. And But we've had uh, people in this space. like our, I've talked to my coffee supplier. He saw the article about us on news.bitcoin.com. And he's like, yeah, I, I, like, I'd be willing to take your next coffee order if you want to pay me in Bitcoin. He obviously doesn't know the difference between Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. And I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd be open to that. But I love the idea of testing it and keeping it in the, the supply chain. So it's been an overall positive experience for me. I'm not going to say that you know, a large percentage of our orders come from cryptocurrency, but it's something that I love to do. And I realized that you know, podcasting, just exclusively podcasting about Bitcoin and, and then doing some work in Latin America, I mean, the, the latter definitely gives you experience, you know, people on the ground, but it's important to, to have on the ground experience, right? And I guess maybe this is what my show, this new show is going to be centered around in that, okay, well, I'm a retailer, e-tailer that accepts cryptocurrency. Here's the good, here's the bad, here's how we can improve and let's iterate and get more people accepting it. But I guess I personally feel alienated sometimes, Jason, because I see it with Eat BCH, the charity that doesn't get any coverage or in you know, Venezuela and South Sudan and you know, solving a use case, being able to donate a small amounts of money to a charity that do not work with the banking system and have hyperinflation. But it's the media does not seem to care. And I think a lot of that comes down to the BTC narrative. Yep. Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of people in the, um, in the financial media weighed their toes into Bitcoin, BTC, saw all the issues with it, and then just weighted back out. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, there's so many amazing things. What's the point of your product? Can you explain to me? Like, I'm, I, I drink coffee. Uh, why would I want CBD coffee? Yeah. So a lot of people, sometimes they get jitters. You can be a little bit worked up from, from coffee. So CBD and caffeine act together synergistically. Also, there's no strong caffeine crash because CBD tends to interact around like, you know, fully one to two hours. You'll probably feel it after 15, 20 minutes, but the, the caffeine crash really starts after three hours. So while the CBD is taking effect and your caffeine level is going down, it kind of smooths it out. Yeah, I guess that will be the first sponsor for this first episode, Crazy Calm, crazycalm.co and 10% off if you pay with crypto. But yeah, Jason, I, I think to finish up here, I really appreciate you coming on today. People know me, know that I always find ways to be bullish about cryptocurrency. Maybe it's just uh, the coins I hold. Maybe it's because I want it to be a certain way. You do seem to have a, a bullish outlook, correct me if I'm wrong, on cryptocurrencies. I mean, what are some things for people to be excited about? Do you see cryptocurrency, any positive things you see in the next three to five years in this, in this space? Yes. I think people have underestimated how useful tokenized assets can be. So if I want to issue shares in my company, the ability to do that 
with a digital token on top of the BCH network, the BSV network, the Ravencoin network, something like that. I just think, gosh, it would just be so much easier. And then to be able to pay dividends to token holders, you know, algorithmically, oh my gosh, like working in law, working in corporate law, just seeing the headaches when you, oh, this mining company, they're trying to acquire a lease in some obscure African country and, that you haven't heard of. And actually the company that that's buying it off is registered in some, you know, Guernsey or some, you know, tax haven country. And you're trying to find the 80 year old dudes all around the world that own the, the shares and maybe they've got their certificates, maybe they don't. And oh my gosh, the ability to, you know, tokenize large real estate, you know, skyscrapers, things like that tokenized ownership in those. I think it will take a while to flesh out in the legal world, but for people that are happy to go on a sort of small to medium scale and hopefully hopefully the regulators will leave them alone, I think there's already opportunity to act today and do stuff that's creative. I think there'll be some flexibility from regulators as time goes on. Like I think they've been super, oh, you need to tick all these boxes first, but It's pretty clear from how few ICO vendors actually ever got in trouble. It's pretty clear to me that regulators are kind of, they don't really know what the hell is going on. And if they can get their little local economy stimulated through this new tech, I think they're as keen as anyone to see that happen. And also, I just see so many people in their little little currencies that are just never, ever going away. Like they're just going to stay there and fight the good fight. And if their currencies have sound economic you know, like BCH, for example, as long as they don't inflate the supply past 21 million, like I can't see it being a terrible place to set up shop. Uh, Same with BSV, because for better or worse, there's just, there's a dwindling supply every four years of of these things. And it's really attractive once you get into it. Like it's not for everyone. Some people can't stand the the scene, but once you get into it, it's like, man, I'm hooked. This thing's great. I, I would rather... Yeah, collect this and other things, yeah. I'm very bullish about it over the next 30 years. I think it's going to be fantastic. And and worst case scenario, uh, even if I were to support the wrong coin or invest in the wrong coin, I'd still be thrilled that humanity was a little bit better off that one of them uh, succeeded. Wow, great way to finish the show. Jason can be found on Twitter. I wear a hoodie, uh, hoodie, H-O-O-D-I-E. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even talk about him studying law, just uh, a jack of all trades here. Persona, Kryptona. We'll link to all of this on the show notes and, and on read.cash. And uh, yeah, Jason, really wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. Cool. Good chatting to you, Matt. Hey there. What did you think of the show? Have I lost it? Was I a boring host? Would you like more of these episodes? Please let me know. You can... You know, find me on Twitter at Matt Aaron or just send me an email, matt at crazycalm.co with any thoughts, feedback on the show. I'm excited to bring more guests on the show to talk about these things. Hoping to have Olivier Jansen, who is known by some as the largest holder in the Mount Gox claim out of Monaco and in the Free State Society or the Free State Project. I'm still bugging him and I have confidence eventually he'll just want to stop receiving emails from me every two months and maybe come on the show. Anyway, yeah, that's it. Check us out at read.cash where you can donate and comment, disagree, agree, whatever you want to do. It's all open there at read.cash, a decentralized publishing platform built on read.cash. All right. Hope you enjoyed this episode.